Uh, John chapter 10 and verse 3 and 4. To him the gatekeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he's brought out all his own, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him for they know his voice. And then verse 16 is our key verse today. John 10, verse 16. And I have other sheep, not, <clears throat> not of this fold. And I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. A missionary once used the illustration, he said, explaining the story of Robin Hood to people in England with, um, with its concept of uh, king and servants and castles and dark forest and cobblestone streets. He said, if, he said those are all details that someone in England would immediately get. And they, you wouldn't have to stop and explain every little thing on the way through. But he said, if you took the same story of Robin Hood and went to the Eskimos, then you'd get a lot of blank stares. And then he said, we are the Eskimos when it comes to the Bible. In other words, the New Testament is written with the understanding of a first century synagogue Jewish audience aware of much of Old Testament concepts and ideas. But we have to stop and think and define and illumine with an Old Testament story. For example, a sheep. What are the sheep as referred to here by Jesus and what in the world is this gatekeeping business and what is, why is he going into this fold and bringing them out? And in verse 16, who are these other sheep that are not of this fold? And... So there's a lot here, and it's all plugged into the Old Testament. I, I want to give you some of these the, uh, this morning, because as we ponder Mission Week or Mission Month this month, uh, just taking the idea of sheep in the Old Testament, uh, sheep was not farm animal as much as it was a symbol of the people of Israel. And primarily, the people of Israel, as they were led out of Egyptian bondage. Psalm 78, verse 43, he says, He performed his signs in Egypt, and he turned their rivers into blood, and he sent among them the plague of flies and frogs. You remember that story? 
it may be, that's where the idea of the sheep comes from because he says he struck down the firstborn in Egypt and he led his people out like sheep and then guided them into the wilderness like a flock. Israel was a rescued, guarded, delivered, protected flock of sheep. And it says he brought them into his holy land. Psalm 78, verse 54. Holy land was kind of like a fold and uh, uh, boundaries and but the problem with, uh, with the Israel as sheep was, Isaiah 53, 6, all we like sheep have gone astray and turned everyone to his own way. They didn't follow the shepherd. They didn't listen to the shepherd. They disavowed the shepherd's covenant and disobeyed his voice and refused to hearken to his rod So what did God do? Deuteronomy 28, he told them what he would do to them. He said, you'll be plucked off the land. Deuteronomy 28, 63, you'll be plucked off the land where you go to possess it. And the Lord will scatter you among all people from one end of the earth to the other. You'll be a scattered flock from one end of the earth to the other. Jeremiah 50, 17. Israel is scattered sheep. The lions have driven him off. First was the king of Assyria, Jeremiah said. Assyria came in about 700 years before Christ and gobbled up ten of the tribes and carried them off into captivity. And then he says, and the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, has also broken his bones. Babylon came in about 586 B.C., 120 or so years later. And uh, he also scattered the flock. Assyria came in. Babylon came in. But see, they had disobeyed God and disavowed the covenant. And so God scattered the sheep and he He said, you don't want me as a shepherd. Well, you're going to have all these wolves that are going to come in, these lions, these beasts, and they're going to scatter you and ruin you and devour you. There's there's some people in China, as far away as China, and they have Hebrew names right out of the Old Testament, And they have worship services that reflect a knowledge of the ancient synagogue rituals. Where in the world do these Chinese people get that? The only thing that people can, the scholars think is that there were at one time Jews which immigrated or were scattered all the way to China and intermarried with the Chinese. So they look Chinese, but they're still, they still have that, that ancient Old Testament conviction. In Bat Creek, Tennessee, 
about 40 miles or so from where I was born and raised. There's a, there was an inscription, a stone inscription found Um, and that when they first found it, they thought it was Ch- it was a Cherokee, and said, "Yeah, some kind of ancient Cherokee," but we don't know what it says. We can't read it. The people who read Cherokee, ancient Cherokee, couldn't read it. Well, no, we think it's Cherokee. Then a guy came along who's a uh, professor in Hebrew studies, and he said, "That's not Cherokee. That's Hebrew." And he spelled out the word Judea in Hebrew because Hebrew reads from right to left. And they said, well, how did you get something from Judea, first century inscription, 125 A.D., all the way in Tennessee? Don't know. Maybe the Jews were here before Columbus. How far were they scattered? Well, he said, Deuteronomy 28, he said, I will scatter you. I'll bring in these, these foreign invading armies and they will be, you'll be scattered among all people from one end of the earth to the other. It's Deuteronomy 28, 64. Now, when, now that's, the, that's the picture of the Old Testament. So that by the time Jesus comes, the people of Israel are mostly scattered. Have you ever heard of the ten lost tribes of Israel? Well, they were scattered. That's sheep that scattered. Nobody knows who they were. They went out. They were deported by the Assyrians. They intermarried with the pagans, and the pagans all moved into their territory in Israel so that they're, they're called the Samaritans, so that, to, so that when Jesus came... The only group, there was a little group down in the southern section of Israel, Judea, around Jerusalem. And that was about it. Everybody else was scattered. And Jesus comes. And he says, I've come to get my sheep. It's an interesting verse in Ezekiel 34, verse 11. Ezekiel 34, verse 11. Give me this one. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out the flock when he's among his sheep that have been scattered. That's Ezekiel 34, 11. He says, I, wait, thus says the Lord God, Behold, Like, look at this. I myself will come and search for my sheep. As if a shepherd looking for his sheep in the day when they're scattered. He he says, I'm coming down there. (laughs) That's what he's saying. I'm coming down there myself. I'm tired of this. And then Jesus comes. And he says, I'm the good shepherd. I've come to get my sheep. And in Matthew 9, he says, I saw the sheep. Jesus felt compassion on them because they were like sheep who were without a shepherd. 
They were like Israelites in Egyptian bondage, but they had no one to get them out of the bondage of religious bondage and sinful bondage and their addictive bondages of all kinds of sinful idolatries. They had no one who would come like a Messiah, a powerful God shepherd who would send a Moses and split the sea and get them out on dry land. Where's, where is that God? Jesus said, I'm here. In Ezekiel 34, 14, he said, I will feed them in a good pasture, and upon the high mountains of Israel shall their fold be. The King James Version says, on the high mountains of Israel, Ezekiel 34, 14. And then Ezekiel 34, 15, and I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down in green pastures, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost, and I will bring them back. The ones that straight. I'm starting to get electrified here. I think I'm plugged into something up here, Dave. All right, now, who are these other sheep? Well, for this, again, we're talking to the Eskimos here. We've got to go to the Old Testament because this would be understood, I think, if we looked at Isaiah 56. Isaiah 56. <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 56, verse 6. And the foreigners... Here, uh, Isaiah's predicting a return to his house because God's going to bring them. And he says, verse 6, Isaiah 56, verse 6, the foreigners, or, or the, the people who are not from Israel, they will join themselves to the Lord and minister to him and love the name of the Lord and be his servants, keep his Sabbath, and hold fast his covenant. And I will bring them, Isaiah 56, verse 7, and I will bring them to my holy mountain. Notice how they get there. He brings them. And I will make them joyful in my house of prayer. The burnt offerings and sacrifices I'll accept on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. He's, he says this is not just for Israel. I'm going to bring the foreigners. I'm going to bring the strangers. I'm going to bring the weirdos. You know who the weirdos were? People, not Jews. And that would be us. He said, I'm going to make this a house of prayer for all nations, all peoples. And I notice verse 8, Isaiah 56, 8. And the Lord God, who gathers the outcasts of Israel, also declares... I will gather yet others. He who gathers Israel says, I'm going to get some others than those I've already gathered. Now, back to John 10. And who's the others? John chapter 10. Verse 16. And I have 
other sheep, not of this fold. Who's the other's sheep? Gentiles. Y'all concur? Gentiles? I have other sheep, not of this fold. What is this fold? That would be the Jewish fold, the Israelite fold, the Mosaic law, and the old covenant people. But he says, I'm going to John 10. I'm going to go into that fold. Sheep here, verse 3. They'll hear my voice. He calls his own sheep by name and lead them out. Whoa, he's going to go into the Jewish fold, get those who are his who are there. Wait, you mean some are there that are not his? Are there Jews that are not elect Jews? He goes in and gets his own sheep. He calls them by name and leads them out. They will hear his voice and follow him. And when, verse 4, he's brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. And then, verse 16, he has other sheep not of this fold. He will bring them also. And they will listen to his voice. And then there will be one flock and one shepherd. In other words, there's, only going, there's not going to be two covenant people, an old covenant people, the Jewish people, and a new covenant people, the Christian church. There's not going to be a synagogue and a church. There's not going to be those who follow Moses and those who follow Jesus. There's not going to be Judaism and Christianity. There's going to be one flock and one foe. Jesus did not come to say to those who believe in Moses, hey, if y'all believe in Moses, you've got your own religion, you've got your own thing going, that's fine. We're going to do something else over here, but everybody's cool. It's all right. No, Jesus came to get his people out of Judaism who were his, bring them over to follow him, and then to include and sweep into that stream of people the Gentiles who were his, and he would bring them all under one fold, one banner, the one head, which is Jesus Christ the Lord. The others are the strangers, the Gentiles, the foreigners. So for hundreds of years, the Jews were exiled out of the land, scattered, but God made promises that he would gather them. He promised remarkable things. He said that he himself would come. Jesus is God in the flesh. Emmanuel God with us. Your shepherd is no weak shepherd. Your shepherd is no no unholy shepherd. Your shepherd is no vulnerable shepherd. Your shepherd is no simple man. Your shepherd is the mighty king of glory. And if he's got a hundred sheep in his fold, he doesn't lose one and say, hey, 99's good. No, he goes, if he's got a hundred, he will end up with a hundred because he's the mighty God. He cannot lie. He cannot fail. (laughs) 
and he goes before them. Verse 3 and 4. He's going to get his sheep, they're Jewish sheep, and he's going to lead them out. And verse 4 or verse 3, uh, verse 4 says, when he brings out his own, he goes in front of them, he goes before them. Now, <clears throat> I mentioned this verse, but I want to I want to bring it back to you. It's Ezekiel 34, 14. I think we've got it. We'll put this on the board. Ezekiel 34, 14, he said, I will feed them when he comes. He himself is going to come. He will feed them in a good pasture, and upon the high mountains of Israel shall the fold be. Ezekiel 34, 14. He will feed them on the mountains of Israel. Now, Israel's the northern section. The high mountains of Israel are not in the south. They're up in the northern section of Israel. Give me that next slide. I don't know if you can make this out, but Galilee is to the north, and that's where the highest mountains were. And guess what else was there? The Gentiles. The Samaritans. The half-breeds. Those who had intermarried with the Assyrians and the Babylonians. Second Kings 17 talks about it, how that Assyria, the king Sennacherib, he brought down people from other places he had conquered and he brought them into the northern section of, of, of Israel and Samaria was the capital and, and he, uh, he brought them in so that they lived there and then he took some of the northern Israelites out and, and he, made them, he made northern Israel into a polluted bloodline. And the southern Jews that he couldn't conquer in Judea and Jerusalem, they would have nothing to do with the Samaritans. Remember that? John 4, Jesus is sitting on the well in Samaria and a, and a Samaritan woman's there and he says, uh, ask for something to drink and the Samaritan woman said, whoa, Jews have nothing to do with Samaritans. Why are you talking to me? See, they had nothing to do with them because they thought they were polluted and uh, inferior. In fact, uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse 15 calls Galilee, these, this northern section, the Galilee of the Gentiles. Look over at Matthew 28 for a moment. Matthew chapter 28. So Jesus has some other sheep which are Gentiles, and he's leading his sheep out. But look at Matthew 28. Now, most of you know this. I, I hope that you know this great commission. Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go into all the world. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's Matthew 28, 18 to 20. But look at the background of this in Matthew 28. When he's risen from the dead, in verse 7, he says... Go quickly and tell his disciples. These women are there, and, he's, and the angel says to them, Go quickly and tell his disciples, Matthew 28, 7, 
that he's risen from the dead. And behold, he's going to go before you. Hello. He's going to go before you. Remember that in John 10? The shepherd will go in and get into the fold and he will, he will, they will hear his voice and he will go before them. So the angel says, he's going to go before you where? Galilee. Huh. Why Galilee? Because of the Gentiles and the inner marriage. He himself has come down to gather his sheep. Look at verse 10, because this is emphasized repeatedly, Matthew 28, 10. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. See, that's, that's way high on the mountain. Remember Ezekiel? I will feed them in good pasture, and upon the high mountains of Israel shall the fold be. I, he's going to go before them. Where? Up there on where the fold will be. In Galilee. And then again, verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee. Matthew 28, 16. To the mountain Jesus directed them to. By the way, of the 12 disciples, the best that I can decipher, of the 12 disciples, only one was from Judea. All 11 others were from Galilee. Who was from Judea? Judas. And now he's gone. All these disciples are now headed for Galilee. What is going on here? The shepherd of the sheep has come down and he's got his people represented by these disciples. Now let's go back and pause just a moment and think about another prophet. Prophet Hosea. God sent a prophet 700 years before Christ to the northern section, Israel. Not down south in Judea, but the high mountain. And this is before the Assyrians came in and intermarried. But he told them, he said, God said to Hosea, Hosea, I want you to go and marry a prostitute. What? I rebuke you, Satan. No, it ain't Satan. It's God. It's God talking. I want you to go marry a prostitute. Why? Because I want you to illustrate in your marriage the unfaithfulness of Israel. Okay. Who is it? Well, her name is Gomer. Good grief. Talk about a double whammy. You got to marry a prostitute in the 
bad thing is her name is Gomer. <laughs> Y'all remember Gomer Pyle? Golly, Andy. I guess y'all on this side don't really remember that. <clears throat> so you go marry this prostitute named Gomer, Hosea chapter 1, verse 9, and then they have a baby, and or I say they, she had a baby. Let's put it that way, okay? And God said, here's the name of your new baby. Hosea 1, 9. Lo, call his name Lo-Ami. Lo is no or not. Ami is people, not my people, not my child. Because he said they are no longer my children. That is what was going to happen. This is what God is saying. Here in these northern tribes, the ten, what we call the ten lost tribes of Israel, the Assyrians are coming down. They're going to intermarry. The blood is mingling. And you, you can no longer find the whole 12 tribes. They're intermarried. They are not my people. Name them no mercy and not mine. Now that's what you have. But then God says, but now Hosea... I want to give you hope because Hosea 1.10, the next verse, but the number of the children of Israel will be as the sand of the sea which can't be measured or numbered and it'll come to pass that in the very place, well, it says in the place where it was said to them, you are not my people, lo ami, there it will be said to them, you are sons of the living God. Do you see what he's saying? Then shall the children of Judah and Israel be gathered together and be under one head. Hosea 1.11. What a prophecy down to the specifics. Jesus comes. He gathers his sheep. He gathers others also. He goes up to the place where it was said, these are not my people. And there he says, you're my people. I'm gathering you on the mountain, making a new covenant with you in the place where it was said, you Gentile, Jew, half-breeds, you are not my people. Just as Hosea prophesied, there will come a time when you will be on the high places of Israel. You who were said, not my people, will now be called sons of the living God. I've come to call you sons of the living God and a new covenant, a new day, and hallelujah, we are included in that. Paul got so excited in Romans 9... 26 and 7, that uh, Hosea says, yet in the place where it was said that you are not my people, there it will be said you are sons of the living God. Paul got so excited in Romans 9, 26, he said, in the very place that it was said, you are not my people, it will be said you are a people of the living God. So that what is happening with the lost Jews who were truly intermarried and indistinguishable, lost to the identity of the covenant people, God 
is still going to save and is now saving them. So let me give you four quick final observations. One is Jesus is a faithful shepherd that does not abandon his flock. I, over the course of hundreds of years, the people were scattered and sinful and sorrowful and intermarried and idolatrous, but God kept saying, I am going to come down there myself and take care of this. I'm coming once and for all, and I'm going to gather you under one head and one flock and one fold. And he was faithful. God's faithfulness is seen in Jesus as our great shepherd. He is a gatherer who reflects the faithfulness of God. He will not abandon his flock. Number two, I see the wisdom of God in the gospel. This, I thought this was hypnotic because... 72% of the Jews today are intermarried. I saw this on a website yesterday. 72% of the Jews are now intermarried. That's 100 Jewish young people per day that, that marry a Gentile. How is God ever going to win a Jew when the great majority of them are not pure blood? I, I doubt if you could find a pure-blooded Jew. Intermarriage is so prolific, and even in Israel today, you go over there, and four, nearly 40% of them are atheists. They, they don't worship God. But what, is, what you see here is God's ultimate design was to get the gospel to the whole world. So when Israel in the Old Testament disobeyed, he was just in that he scattered them. But when he scattered them, they married Gentiles. Thus, to win them back, which he promised, he had to win Gentiles because they are intermarried with them. Thus, in winning the Gentiles, which he also wanted to do, he's also being faithful to his promise to them because they are intermarried with them. The wisdom of God in the gospel and in Jesus Christ in the New Testament just blows my mind. Paul put it like this, Romans 11, 11. He said, through their trespass, the trespass of the Jews of the Old Testament, salvation came to the Gentiles. See, because they were scattered all over the world. So the knowledge of the one true God, how do you think people started believing in one, one God rather than all these idols and pagan idolatries? Because Jews went everywhere taking the knowledge of the one true God. And as that, he said, and so through their trespass, salvation came to the Gentiles. Synagogues sprang up everywhere, and Paul and the early disciples went to the synagogues to preach the gospel. Those synagogues became churches. That basically became the basis of the first churches in the New Testament. So Romans 11, 11, through their trespass, salvation came to Gentiles. But then, Romans eleven thirty one. but by the mercy shown to the Gentiles, they, the Jews, now receive mercy too. Because when he brings in the Gentiles, he brings them in because they're intermarried and interspersed. 
So Paul concludes that Romans 11 by saying, oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom of God. Missions is about God being faithful to shepherd and gather all his flock into one fold in keeping with his promises throughout the Old Testament. This is why we reach out. This is why we gather. Why? Because we want to grow? Well, we do want to grow, but that's not our driving force. Our driving force is God is being faithful to his promises to Israel. They are scattered everywhere. They were even in Tennessee. Heck, I could be a Jew. I don't know. I could be Jewish. Call, Call me Melchizedek. But... God is being faithful. In other words, we could put it like this. Missions exist because Israel doesn't. (laughs) Oh, boy. Because God promised Israel will be one fold and one flock and include Gentiles. Therefore, missions exist. Because God is faithful. He will find a church that will reach people because he will have his fold and his flock full. He will not have one sheep missing that belongs to him. Number three, quickly, Jesus is now sending us out to continue the gathering of his people. Look at John chapter 11. John chapter 11 and verse 51. Jesus is now gathering. This is, he's in a gathering mode and mood. John eleven fifty-two. 52, the high priest talking about his death for the nation, but not for that nation only, but also to gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. He's gathering into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. And then one final point is, this: the church of Jesus Christ is the new fold. He did not, when you read John 10 carefully, he, did, he led them out of that fold. He went and he got the Gentiles, and as Ezekiel prophesied, that's a new fold. He led them on the high mountain. And there, a new Moses makes a new covenant, and there's a new fold, and it consists of both Jew and Gentile. It's not a Jew fold, and it's not a Gentile fold. It is a Jesus fold. And whatever church has Jesus at its head is that fold. And we know what church that is. It's the Baptist church. Glory to God. And I get a witness on that uh, second row right there. No, it's where Jesus is the head. He is gathering into one the children of God who are scattered. There's children of God, his chosen people, that are not yet gathered. And that's why we're having this missions emphasis this month. They're out there. And he's gathering them. So we want to participate in that. We want to join in that. We want to be ready for that. Now, he's going to put them somewhere. Let's make sure if he wants to and decides to do so, he can put them here. 
Then there'll be one fold and one shepherd. You know what, Zechariah 9.10, I got to give you this before before we go. Zechariah uh, chapter 10, uh, I'll just read this to you. But this is the ultimate, Zechariah chapter 10, speaking of this great gathering age in which we live. He says, uh, Zechariah 10.9 Though I scattered them among the nations, but in far countries they will remember me. And with their children they shall live and return. And I will bring them home from the land of Egypt, and I will gather them from Assyria, and I will bring them to the land of Gilead and Lebanon until there is no room for them. I've got so many of them. I said, I can't get all these people into the land of Israel. So it's just everywhere. There's no room here. I've got so many children. Do you know what the number one religion in the world profess, people who profess the number one religion in the world? Two billion over 2 billion is Christian faith. Now, I understand not all of them may be Christians, but I'm just giving you the professions of faith. That's a third. You give God another 2,000 years, how many more will he have? How about 10,000 years? Oh, yeah. He's gathering. He is gathering. There's not enough room in Jerusalem and uh, in Israel or in any one local congregation for all that he will gather. Now, my dear people, I want to tell you that in the very place, see, that's the Holy Land, that's the Holy Land. Oh, that's the chosen people. Hey, listen to this, listen to what he said. Hosea, in the very place where it was said, those are not my people, there, that's here, There they shall be called sons and daughters of the living God. Gentile lands. That's us. You want to be a son and daughter of the living God? God is willing to embrace you as a father. Run to him. Run to him. Do not tarry. Do not hesitate. Do not look around you and see if your wife's coming or Husband's coming or children are coming or parents are coming. Just run. Take that invitation. 